0: theology a lot of us in this room that think salvation is the end point that the ultimate view of god and the ultimate activity of god is to get you and i to a point of decision to where we accept christ as our lord and savior and we think once that we hit that moment once we clear that benchmark then we're done we're good we're on our way to heaven and yes you are and we're going to miss hell and yes you will But the wrong part of that theology, we think that's it. That's all that there is. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8, it says, For by grace are you saved through faith. There is only one way to get saved, one way to know Christ as your Savior, and that's by accepting God's grace. Grace is such a powerful, dynamic working of God the Father through the Spirit because of Jesus paying our sin debt on the cross. There are not multiple ways to get to heaven. There is only one way to get to heaven, and that is through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. This is not choose your own way. This is not choose one of the 12 major world religions and it will get you there. There is one way, and that is through Jesus Christ. His grace, accepting his forgiveness for paying the debt of your sin by faith. If you didn't get that, verse 9 makes it clearer. Not of works, so you and I could boast. Jesus Christ is unimpressed by the number of times you come to church. Jesus Christ is unimpressed by the number of times you sing a praise and worship song. Whether in this place or in your car... Or with iTunes. Funniest thing is to watch people with their iPods and the things in their ears and just, you know, doing that and singing and singing to everybody. You see, the Bible doesn't just stop at verse 9. Verse 10 in Ephesians 2 says, For we are his workmanship. That word workmanship is where we get our English word poem, it's a beautiful lyric we beautiful prose. It's also where the word masterpiece comes from. It means excellent craftsmanship. It's kind of like a Stradivarius violin. It's excellent craftsmanship. It's like a Steinway piano. It's excellent craftsmanship. It, it, it's like the hottest, newest, best, tricked out cell phone, iPad, iPod. I don't know what those things are, but you do. Because we're not saved just to sit. God did not give his son so that we could experience this dynamic working of grace in our lives and do nothing with it. He gave us this one life, and with this one life, I don't care if you're a junior high kid, a high school, a college, career, I don't care if you are a wild I don't care if you are in heaven's waiting room ready to go, to, you know, on to be with the Lord. If you have life, God expects you to do something for Him. No, He doesn't expect you to do something. He commands you to be His workmanship. He is not saying that works get you into heaven. It does not. You can give every bit of money you have to feed the poor. Not going to get you into heaven. You can go on every mission trip Kirby has from now till you die. Not going to get you into heaven. There's only one way to get to heaven, and that's by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Not of your own good works, for we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. See, that's a post-salvation experience reference. That you and I, you and I, you and I ought to do something with this precious gift of grace and life and faith and mercy and justice that God's given to us. He didn't ever it was never within the purpose or the mind of God to save you so you could sit on a pew and watch me preach and Don sing and, and Tommy lead youth and, and minister to our church. And man, it was always about He's given all of us one life. So do something. See, what those good works are is simply an overflow of the divine activity, the divine working of grace and God's mercy and forgiveness in your heart. It's an overflow of that into every area of your life, whether it's the marketplace, whether it's your family, whether it's in the community, whether it's in a ministry around this church. One life, one life, do something For we are his masterpiece. We are his lyrics. We are his prose. We are his poem. We are saved so that with the grace that God has given us, because he has paid that sin debt for us, that we can take that message of his goodness and his love to a world that desperately needs Christ. So this this next four weeks, we're going to talk about how you and I have one life, and God expects us to do something as an individual, corporately as groups, larger than that as a church, and we have to because we can. The Bible says, for by grace are you saved, through faith and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his, say it with me, masterpiece. We are his excellent craftsmanship. So that with this one life, with this one life, you and I can make a difference in this world. So that with this one life, you and I can tell somebody else about Jesus. With this one life, we can help the the poor. We can help those who are socially disadvantaged. We can help those who are spiritually wandering far from God. With this one life, we can bring hope. We can bring the message of truth. Think about it. You can bring life to people who are dead in spiritual trespasses and sin, not having or having, they have a broken relationship with God and you and I have the privilege because the gospel is at the heart or the remedy for every problem humanity has. At the heart of it is the gospel of Jesus Christ and we have the privilege of sharing that. We are His workmanship created For good works. Good works do not get you into heaven. You're never going to be good enough. But after you're saved, then an outflow of your life and your relationship with Jesus Christ is so that the world sees what Christ has done, is doing, and will continue to do in you. So he... So he alone gets the glory. So he alone gets the honor. So he alone gets the praise. And you and I just to get to be a part of it and go, thank God. I had a little piece in that. We are his workmanship. One life. Do something. I got a confession. I need a little bit of lights because I want to see how many are in in the same boat with me. How many of you love, like, the DC comic, Marvel comic, comic book things that are made into the superhero kind of movies that have been out there? Don't you just love, like, the Superman movies, Batman, Thor? I didn't see that one. I think there's something in us that when the times get bad... We wish that we had the ability to leap tall buildings with a single bound, to stop bullets that come at us, whether they're economic or spiritual or relational. Don't don't you wish that sometimes you just had that that bat belt that Batman had that no matter what the problem was, dude, he had the problem to fix it right there in the bat belt. It's amazing what he pulled out of that bat belt. And sometimes spiritually, we think that God has left the thing of serving the kingdom up to pastors and missionaries. And sometimes you may look at yourself and you say, you know, the problems of the world need to be solved by the superheroes. That's not God's plan. God's plan is that He would save us by faith, not of our own works, lest that we would boast... No, we can't boast. He provided it all so that we could have our complete salvation provided for by Christ. And then the continuing working of the Holy Spirit in us that workmanship, that prized or that excellent craftsmanship, that masterpiece, so that we. In our lives, no matter where you work, no matter where you live, no matter what your interests are, so that you can take that interest, you can take that ability, no matter where you are, and do something with the one life that God has given you with. See, God didn't provide the church with super hu- or superheroes. He just provided us with spirit-filled believers who are to take that life-transforming message of hope and grace... And what a powerful message grace is to a world that needs to hear. And whatever our abilities are and whatever our talents are, God expects us to to use that. To parlay that, not so that we can be self-centered, no. But so that we can make a difference with the one life that we have. And that really is kind of the, the tenor of the next several weeks that we're going to be focusing on this subject. And we have a lady with us today, and I told you to bring your money today, didn't I? Right? Because once you hear her story, you're going to see it's going to be so clear how you can at least do something today. And, uh, and it's, it's just a incredible opportunity I'm excited that this young lady is here. She has the display set up out in the, the foyer. Better than that, she's got an awesome story to share. And so I'd like for you to welcome Rachel Dennis uh, this morning. Rachel, would you come on up? I know, uh, I know of Rachel uh, for a couple of, couple of different reasons, and, uh, but uh, I saw her, my wife um, saw what she was doing at a conference we went to in, where was it, Charlotte? Yeah, in Carolina. Charlotte, North Carolina this summer. And I saw what she was doing and I just stood there and just thinking, yes, this is it. This is kingdom principle. This is what God wants all of us to be doing, using what we have, using our gifts and talents and abilities to make a difference in the kingdom of God. And so I, you're just going to, I am so excited. My thing is I will probably do way too much talking. So this, uh, to kind of keep that from happening, tell us just, uh, <laughs> she laughs because you know me better, don't you? And, uh, but anyway, tell us just a little bit about yourself and, and your background.
1: didn't mean to bring my money bag up here, but it is Detroit, so it's fine that I just keep it with you. Um, <laughs> One of the safest <laughs>
0: places in America, by right. the way. <laughs>
1: Um, but yeah, I grew up in Arkansas. I've been a free will Baptist um, my entire life. My parents were unsaved when they were married, and um, a couple invited them to our church, and I was actually in church the next day after I was born. So my mom's really proud about the fact that I've been a free will Baptist my entire life. Um, but I grew up in the church. Our church has a really good missions program. I've probably traveled overseas um, since I was 15, and I'm now 25. And um, I felt the call to missions really strongly when I was in Puerto Rico through a long story. I almost drowned. You can ask me about it later. Um, But God really got a hold of my life. And um, I knew I wanted to do something in missions. And I thought the Bible college in Nashville was the place for me. So I went there and I started out in missions. And I remember my mom saying right before I left, because my mom's a banker, right? Like she knows about money, she understands financial situations of missionaries. And she wasn't really excited about me just doing that. And she was like, you probably need to get into some kind of business classes or something. And I was like, mom, missionaries don't need business. We just are missionaries. You don't need that. Exactly. And I'm like, of course I'm 18 at the time. I'm like, it'll all take care of itself. Um, and finally, after a couple of years, um, At the Bible college, I started to see this amazing connection between business and missions. And I remember hating math. I I don't like numbers. I don't like talking about money. I never liked it. But I kind of had this entrepreneurial spirit. And I think it's because my dad was always building and tinkering and stuff like that. Um, But I went to the Bible college, and when I was there in my second year, um, one of my professors really tried to bring those two things together and teach us, like, how how vocation is our ministry. And that was a really new concept to me, seriously. I mean, growing up in the the Bible Belt, like in the South, you know, you kind of have your professional Christians, and then you've got your lay people. And there's, like, a very big, you know, like, pool between those two. There's, like, a really big separation. And so, really, just in the last couple of years of my life, even after getting that degree have I started to understand how that's combined. So yeah, I went um, went to the Bible college, graduated from there. I actually worked for the college for about two years recruiting um, and you know getting other kids to come there and doing some organization stuff. And um, out of the blue, a friend of mine called me and said, hey, my wife and I are moving to Laos and we're gonna teach English. And um, we really want you to come. So I was like, "Uh, okay. So (laughs) I raised enough money to get there and just kind of barely get by on. And um, through a long story and really only through God's orchestration on my life did I end up with Ethnic Trade Company. So, yeah.
0: You know, if I hear your story right, and by the way, there's a little aside to the story, that she got engaged in July. July. Mm -hmm. She's getting married in October what, four weeks? Yeah. Four weeks from now, and then going back to Thailand right. in November. Yeah. And so, if you think a wedding can't be done in less than a year, <laughs> see Rachel after the service. She'll hook you up. There's two things in what you were saying. It sounds like short-term mission trips played a big point. Yeah. Big emphasis in your life. And then another thing I heard was that somebody helped you see the connection between the gifts, talents, and abilities that you have and using them in the kingdom of God. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Okay, great. And then, uh, so you got to Asia, and then what were what did you think when you went to Laos? I mean, it's not like tourist center, it's not Disney World by any stretch of imagination. No. It's very impoverished, and yeah. uh, what did you find there?
1: Um, well, well, I was teaching English, and the funny thing is I never, like, studied Teaching English. You know, I never had a teaching degree. Um, I like writing and I like speaking, but I found first and foremost that I didn't like teaching English. <laughs> um, it was not my calling. And it's just so funny. Like, it really reminds you that sometimes God calls you to something and it doesn't work out for a reason. You know, you have to be really faithful to your commitments, but you also have to see that, especially even through the Bible, that God said to do one thing and He got them there and changed it right then and said, okay, this is what I brought you to. And um, so I got there and I taught English. Some good friends of mine that I went to college with, or were there for about 10 months. And um, halfway through, I was like, guys, I think I see something different. I mean, we, I've literally been living in the village for about two years. And when I say village, it's probably like what you think of when you think of village, like palm trees and dirt roads and, you know, not so much running water, you know, and kids just running around um, and water buffalo horns and, you know, everything else. But, um, yeah, I just started to see that like for me, my love of things is to create, you know, and just to have a relationship. And I don't know, probably about a year before going, I got a book called Escaping the Devil's Bedroom. And um, actually I got that from a good friend of mine, the bunch's daughters, uh, daughter that is from Panama. And it basically just started to explore the idea of what trafficking is. And it was weird because God had put that seed in my heart and I knew I was going to teach English and I was like, God, why would you give me this desire to help when I'm not going to be anywhere near that? And it's just so cool because God really gives you the desires of your heart, you know? Um, and that, so, like, that kind of all worked together.
0: Right. Now, you mentioned trafficking. Would you explain to our church, because we live in a very conservative area, very safe area of Detroit, by the way, you will not be mugged. And, uh, you know, yeah, that's cool, you yeah. know? And that kind of thing. But would you explain the whole c- human trafficking and all that that entails, that yeah. you found when you got there?
1: Um, basically trafficking sounds like what it is. Um, it is taking one person from a known area, like somewhere that they feel comfortable and their life makes sense, and basically putting them in a place that things don't make sense. This this normally is across borders, so like in countries that are underdeveloped, um, people are taken from one country to the next across the border, and it basically just takes out any type of understanding right? because like, all of a sudden they can't speak the language, they don't have any family or friends, they're not educated, they don't have any money, and all of a sudden they become overly dependent and super dependent on the person that's trafficked them. Um, so you can go across borders and be trafficked, you can be trafficked across the street. I mean, it's just like changing your community and your normal lifestyle to another one and then in that situation being abused, that is what trafficking is. So yeah,
0: and it, and human trafficking is the number one. I'm not sure the word I'm looking for, but it, it's the number. It, I mean, it, it it's it, it's the equivalent of slavery mm-hmm. is what it's it modern day to.
1: slavery, That's right? And then
0: when they traffic the mostly women, mostly children, uh, and some of the research I was doing this week, um, preparing for this is as young as four and five. Mm-hmm. Are human trafficked most of the time, if not always, they go into some kind of a sex trade or sex organization where they are sold for sexual favors. I mean, this is like horrendous stuff. And because we are safe in America, and by the way, uh, it's, it's exported to America. Mm-hmm. I want you to understand, we are a recipient of that. And um, and it, the numbers are just staggering, they really are, they're just astounding. And so when you saw all of that going on, then there was just kind of like this merge between ethnic trade company and, and it, so a lot of things started coming together sounds like your burden for uh, what was going on, your creativity and loving to create, your mission's heart, your business mind, just kind of how did that all start rolling together?
1: Um. I'd really just say only through God's grace. It's very, it's interesting when people ask me like how that came together. There are like several times that I've written down in my journal in the last two years like where people were playing a part in my life and who people, like strangers that just showed up. And um, really it was just my response to what was happening. you can sit by and watch unjust things happen. People do it all the time. I mean, we do it in America, right? I mean, I, I do say, like, we are recipients of girls that have been trafficked, you know, and I live in a country where trafficking is an unfortunately natural, a normal thing. But also, I mean, like, our real Baptist church homes, you know, are filled with abused children. Or neglected children or husbands and wives that aren't in good relationship, right? So it's like, it seems like this trafficking thing is a really big thing and that like us as a community can't get involved, but we have our own things in our own backyard. And for me, like that was in my backyard, right? And I mean, we had girls that would come to my English class that I knew their family didn't have any money and that their parents were considering sending them to Thailand with people that would come in. And the problem is like there are skilled men in this trade that go to uneducated educated villages and areas of um, Laos and Thailand and India and different areas. And they basically kind of propose to you that they're going to take care of your children, your sons, your daughters, Um, and they're going to get them a passport and get them across the border and then they're going to send money back. And it's really just a complete misconception about what's going to happen, because they just feed the family lies. And, like, the culture is completely different from ours. Like, these are really uneducated people. And the way that it's set up is there's nothing about individualism that they love. It's all like a family union. So the person comes in and sits down and has a meal and treats them like their family. And they're, you know, like, accepted into their family after a week. And then he starts to propose this idea of taking his kids and, like, offering them a better life. And really and honestly, I've been on the other side, and I see where they end up. And um, the one area that we work strongly and heavily in in southern Thailand, where we'll be like based, um, there's basically a road that connects the inside outside villages and comes all the way down to the coastline, and um, that road is called Bangla Road. And if you walk down it at nighttime, it's um, it just looks like L.A. in the middle of Thailand. It's very weird. Um, it's not as big, but like lots of lights, you know, and, and bars and there's brothels lined the whole way. And the first time I went, I went with my fiance, and I noticed that people were holding up big signs. I mean, it's kind of like this paper, and they would just like hold it in front of you, and they're pointing. And we walked by, and this was the first time I experienced it, but um, it was all the women that and girls that they had trafficked, and it was their nude pictures and the price that it cost to take them. For the night. And it became really serious to me at that point that, I mean, unless we start something that's income generating, unless we start something to say, like, you know, like, you can come out of this and you still can have a life, because it's really easy to just hand people money. I mean, right, like, we're Americans. We may not have tons of money, but we've got enough to just give to someone, and really God calls us to that sometimes. But in Asia and, like, for this culture, if we really want to change it from the inside out, like, we've really got to say, I'm going to, like, sit with you. And I'm going to be a part of your life. And I'm not only going to, like, love you, but I'm going to, like, supply you with income, you know? I mean, these girls have children from the trade, right? Mm -hmm. And they've got families they've got to take care of. So, unfortunately, they get into the trade, and that's what they have to do. They have to stick with it because they have to pay the bills.
0: And, And don't miss the point. These, some are abducted. Overwhelmingly, the numbers show that they are just bought from their parents through the deception, and uh, and so Rachel has come up with a way to kind of countermand that with her ethnic trade company, and uh, and tell us a little bit about that.
1: Okay, the polished answer is, and I brought my business card just so I won't forget, even though I wrote it. Ethnic trade company exists to bring aid to the abused, impoverished, and broken lives of the developing world through the sale of indigenous handmade crafts. So. The nice professional way of saying that is this, But what we basically do is we work with Christian organizations all over Asia and we kind of come to them they're doing like spiritual formation with these girls, they're giving them housing Um, they may have tried to start up some small business um, but it's a lot of times it's really overwhelming for the missionary, right? Like they're coming in thinking, okay we can start like a little business but they have no idea how much work it takes. So it's been a really cool ministry to both missionaries and to the women that we're working with because we come in and say, can we take this piece off your plate? So we work with the girls and and we like provide and supply them with all of the the raw materials that they need, we design the pieces ourselves, and um, and then we teach them how to make it. So normally, like, in different regions, it's very different from America, but, like, different girls know how to make different things. Some can weave, some can carve, some can string jewelry, you know, some can paint. It's just different for each area. So we kind of find out what they're good at, and then we enhance that skill. But we've actually just started in an orphanage um, in the northern part of Thailand, and they didn't know how to do anything. And so we taught them how to break. It was their first time braiding so you'll see there's like some little pieces of fabric that are braided together And we call those scrap wraps so we basically took all the scraps from our material and taught them how to make all of it And we could actually pay them a wage for making them So that's like the beginning process and it's so sophisticated that it goes all the way to weaving silk So it's a myriad of different things that we
0: do. It's awesome. So understand what she's doing. She has started a company all right She pays the girls from the profits that you guys will buy her out today, all right? I mean, spend your money. And by buying something, then in turn, she gets to pay the girls a good wage in Laos and Thailand so that they don't have to go into human trafficking, so their parents aren't forced, so that there are other options. Okay, do you understand? She has taken her business, her missions, her creativity, uh, her love and her burden for uh, people who are hurting from injustice, rolled it all into one, and here she's done something about it. Alright? It's not traditional missionary work, but I think it's a great work, don't you? And uh, I'm, I'm just excited uh, as I can I can be about it. Um, do, Tell us about that call to vocation. I know we were talking about it earlier, and I know you're passionate about it. Just share a little bit of that.
1: Yeah. Well, um, if you guys know anything about the Free Will Baptist denomination, we are mostly, in our missions work, we plant churches, we're church planters, um, which I love, right? Like this is a church. This was a church planted by our denomination, right, or by the people that gathered together. Um, it's a really important part of society and community. But in some areas of the world, like where I live, it's called a restricted access country. And the only way that we could be in that country is to say that we are doing business or doing some kind of skills training or vocation work. Um, And you know, to me, I just see that it's cohesive because like, If you look at the church, you have one pastor, maybe one youth pastor, and you've got musicians, you know, and like music leaders, that kind of thing, and they only make up a small percentage of the church, even though they're very important. And I'm really just grasping this, you'll have to like bear with me as I'm talking about it, but I heard one woman say several months ago that we we expect 10% of the church to do 100% of its job. And it just seems to me that, like, I'm really starting to understand the body of Christ, where he says that each one of us is a member, and we all have our own role and we all have our own gift, and we have to do that role and that gift to make it all work together. So, like, when one of us, if we're a lay person or if we're a professional Christian, you know, like we like to term it, if we're not doing the job and the work that God's called us to, then, like, the body, body of Christ is not doing what he's asked us to do. So then if something's off, the people outside the body of Christ can see that there's something different. And it's just so important. And this has been such an amazing thing to me. Like God has given me this ministry of ethnic trade company. But when I come back to the States, I get to talk to real individual people. I mean, I talk to like beauticians and teachers and bankers and firemen, you know, policemen. I talk to, you know, waiters and plumbers. These are the people who make up our churches. And these are the people that are out in society, right? We're out in the world. Like, we are by each other every day. And a good friend of mine likes to say that we walk by each other every day, and we have we have no idea the kind of, like, abuse that people are dealing with. If it's emotional or if it's struggle, I mean, we we have no idea what they're carrying. And Jesus says that his burden is light, so we can take it from ourselves and just put it on him And I don't know, I just think there's this really big call right now in the evangelical world to say, like, lay people, this is your time. Like, this is your time to really dig deep into scriptures and see what God tells you. Because it's not for the Pharisees, you know? It's not just for the professional Christians, the people up front. Because we will never accomplish anything like that. You know, like, things happen in the workplace, and the world happens in the marketplace and the community. And that's where we just naturally are, because we have day-to-day jobs. And really, like this may sound crazy, but I don't see what I do as special. I just see that, like, God, I get to do, I get to design things. I love that. Like, God just gave me this little thing. It's like a project that I like to do. And I like to be entrepreneurial and do business, but I love relationships. So it's kind of like he just packaged it all together and gave it to me.
0: See, I love the way you say that you don't see it as special. It's just an outflow of your walk with Christ. Yeah. You know, it's not that you set out. I mean, it's just... Everything I can see, just as you're sharing your story, is the missions trips, and then your church, and and mission trips, and then you went off to Bible college, and there was a person there, a pastor, a professor that made the connection, and you had more opportunity, and and it just kept evolving, and it was was just this natural expression of of your faith and your walk with Christ, which I think that's the beauty of what, what you're doing. Um, Well, listen, is there anything else you kind of want to share? We've kind of been a little bit uh, all over the place, but.
1: uh... I don't know. I think just the challenge to understand that, like, just don't don't buy into the lie that because you're not a paid member of a church that you're not important. Um, I might be preaching to the choir because like what I've seen at Kirby so far has just been so awesome. Everyone's been really welcoming, but a lot of the churches that I go to, and even though they might support me at the end of the day or they love what I do, they really feel like it's just my ministry. You know, like I need, if God can just let me relay that to people and say like, it's not just my ministry, it's your ministry. It's what you do every day when you get out of bed and you take care of your family. This is something that I'm just now learning, like, to sit down and read the Bible with your family and love on them instead of, you know, like, getting too busy and worked up, even in church programs or school programs, but to say, like, we're not going to do this today because we're going to have dinner together, and we're going to read God's Word together. I mean, honestly, like, my family didn't do that growing up, and we're just now learning how to do that. And, I mean, I just think it's so important for us to understand that, like, we are a part, we we are what makes up the church. And if we don't respond, like, I think like Don was saying earlier, like, it's just, or, you know, you were saying it about how it's not like good works that save us. It's just the good works that flow out of us because we are saved, because God is so good. I mean, and just this morning, while I was sitting and listening to the music, I'm thinking like, what a wonderful experience for me, because normally I'm in like a house church that's like, a 17th of the size of this room, you know, and and we get together and we worship, which is really cool because it's real community. But I'm just like, oh, it's so cool to sit back and listen to the corporate body of God just worship together. And I just think, um that's what heaven is gonna be like. Like we're all gonna sit around and from every nation and from every tongue and they might look just like the person that sits next to you during your work day or they might look like the girl that I work with down the street. It's gonna be every person and it's just gonna be an outflow of our love for him. And, and God has just been so good to like show that to me and just reveal to me that a relationship with him is real. And it's so cool. I'm only 25, but it's just like in my life just been this, you know, not easy thing. I don't want you to think that I have a put together life because I don't. Like I'm constantly running in and out of dirt markets and getting on motorbike accidents and, you know, like not having hot water and stuff like that. Um, And so it's really hard. No one's saying that it's really easy to be a Christian. There's nothing about it sometimes that are easy. But, you know, like just like with Job, sometimes we have to sit with the hurting. Like his friends just came around him for seven days and sat. And I know God's just teaching me all of those things right now, and it's just cool that I get to have a microphone and tell people about it.
0: So (laughs) that's awesome. Isn't that a great story? Isn't that incredible what God's doing? Yeah. What I want to do is I want to tell you how you can help. All right, Uh, in your bulletin there is a uh, um, card that if you want to, if if all you can do is just get on her email address and pray for her, that's huge okay? If that, if, and, and if I say if that's all you can do, that is the number one thing you can do. The Bible still says, and we believe the book around here at Kirby Church, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman avails much. Yeah. And so we believe in the power of prayer, frontline prayer, prevailing prayer, uh, Holy Spirit prayer. So we want you to fill that out. And then if you want to support, because uh, she is a missionary, all right? If you want to support her, there's a way to do that and it will go directly through ethnic trade companies is that right um, It actually goes through the, the, the mission yeah agency. The mission agency. and so in and, and it's all confidential it doesn't route through Kirby church at all it, it goes through that and they will give you monthly receipts and and the whole thing for your taxes and all of that and it's just a great way to support a second thing that I want you to do is I want you to buy stuff all right just listen you guys buy it out before second service even gets a shot at it, all right? And here's what I wanted, here's a great thing I thought about, and we're going to do this, but here's what I think would be great. Buy something today and just say, hey, you know what? I was at church today, and I, I saw this, and I thought of you, and I'm just buying it and just wanted you to know it's because it's got this cool story. We had this young lady at church named Rachel who who uh, is just awesome. She's creative and loves people and has a business mind. And so she's over there working to help girls stop from going into human trafficking and giving them an option of life and showing the love of Christ and teaching Christ's grace, mercy, and love to them. And it's just this incredible story. And I just thought of that. I thought of you, and I just want you to have it as a gift and, and uh, just let you know I love you. And, you know, if you get a chance sometime, come out and uh, come out and visit with us. I think that's an awesome way. To not only support what she's doing, but to take that, and then she can go back to Laos and say, and Thailand and say, you know what? The people who are buying the products, some of them are using it to share Jesus with other people. Mm -hmm. You know, isn't that awesome? Don't you think that just makes the devil all ripped up, you know? Because we are stopping one of the great, I think it's the single greatest injustice in the world today, and... We have a hand in it. I cannot go to the Laos or Thailand. I would love to. Uh, but what Rachel is doing, I cannot do, and a lot of us could not do. But we have somebody there doing it, so let's support her. You're going to see a video here in a minute. Do you want to set the video up? I know that everybody involved in the video is a part of their ministry, uh, and it, it's, uh, it's about two minutes, a little over two minutes long, and it will show you...
1: Yeah, it's, when you watch it, you'll, it's kind of self-explanatory, and it's really just like our call to arms, like, for people to say, like, you have to be an instrument of justice in an unjust world, and um, all of the photos, like we were just saying in in the video, um, are people that we work with, and actually out in the foyer there, all of the pieces that we make, there are pictures that go along with that in the process of how they're made, so we work in villages, we work down on city streets, I mean, we work in, like, room corners anything that will allow us to like really work with these women so you'll kind of see like at the beginning that shows the unjust part of the work that we do and then once it scrolls to um, the next photos you'll start to see the people that we actually work with I mean there are kids from villages you know that we employ their moms and because we employ their moms like those kids hopefully, will not be forced into some type of trafficking because their parents need the money. Isn't that awesome? Mm-hmm. Um, and we there's some pictures of girls, like, making quilts. Um, those girls have come out of karaoke bars in the northern part of Thailand. Um, girls from the orphanage, like, we, we know they're at high risk for being trafficked because they've lost one parent and um, their family needs the money. So actually there's a Christian orphanage that takes them in, and they're making the braided things we were talking about. Lots of different things, but each person we have a relationship with or we know, you know, like we're coming in and talking with, and we let the people at that organization have that relationship. So, yeah, that's That's what this is about.
0: Aren't you glad she came? Would you let her know we thank you for coming? Then you can go to the... What I want you to do is I want you to just get a breath. I want you to watch this. Let God continue to speak to your heart because we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. And you're going to see some of the things that they're doing uh, at ethnic trade Company. Bible says, for we're saved by faith, by grace, not of works, lest any man should boast. And we're his workmanship. We're his masterpiece. And God is taking things just like he took these things, almost seemingly random events in Rachel's life, and just started weaving them together to what now is a a tremendous ministry. God is weaving things in your life. He's already given you things in your life. There are, there, you have one life, man. There is something you can do. Do something. Salvation does not de- end with a decision at an altar. And what that decision does is it frees you from sin. And then it unleashes you to be a servant of the Most High God. So that you and I together corporately and individually, can do things that just amaze the world, but more importantly, bring praise and glory and honor to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It is one life that you have. Do something. Would you stand to your feet and would you bow your heads? Would you pray with me, please? And here's the prayer that you're going to pray. You say, don't I have an option? No. Here's the prayer. God, I've got one life. I will do something. So you're either going to do something positive or negative with your life. I will do something for you. So our Heavenly Father, I've been challenged by what I've heard and just amazed at how you work. And as Rachel was sharing her story about how just different things,